You will fail. So what? Everybody does. But your gym, your watch, your yoga pants, they pretend you won't. So when you miss a day, eat the pancakes. Give up on a workout? You failed? Seriously, what the hell? We're body. We've been a part of that too, but not anymore. At body, we're rejecting perfection and embracing reality. Not in a pizza Monday kind of way, in a loving your whole life kind of way. In a, this workout is fun and it's okay if I take a week off kind of way. In an, I'm eating healthy and it's okay if I indulge kind of way. In a, I like myself no matter what kind of way. Yeah, you will fail. We all will. But we're not going to let that be the end. You see that? We're already making progress. So let's keep going. We are body. Start your free trial at body.com. That's B-O-D-I dot com. Hi, I'm Abby. And I'm Vanessa. And you're listening to The Real Moms of Bravo, a weekly Bravo podcast where we recap your favorite shows in 30-ish minutes. And we have a very special bonus episode. We are so excited to have Sarah Frazier from the amazing, just highly rated Hey Frage podcast on. We are here with the hilarious Sarah Frazier from the Hey Frage podcast. Sarah, like this is a dream come true having you on here. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh my God. I'm so honored. Late. Okay, Vanessa. Okay, Abby. I'm <laughs> going pro so far, ladies. I love this. No, this is kind of this a is- pinch me moment. It's one of those things where you admire from afar and you're like, oh my gosh, you're so funny. Sarah's so hilarious. And AJ, we'd like love your podcast. So this has been, oh. this is awesome. So thank you so much for coming on. Oh my God. And what I, I want to plug another podcast series that you did. It's not like pop culture. Well, I guess it's kind of not pop culture, but it was something that happened. The mansion murders. I was so wrapped into that. I, that was like, I don't know. I love that podcast. So for everybody that remembers the 2015 murders in Washington, DC, and I'm a is it weird to say I love murders? Like what that's, I don't know what that says about me. No, like, I love I, murdery things. Nope, I completely get it. I was a true crime junkie myself. And that was what prompted me to do that true crime series with Fox. And you're right. It was all about the murder of the Savopolis family, this like really wealthy family in DC. And they were actually killed by a former employee that had been fired from the husband's business like years before. It was such a bizarre story. It was so crazy. So I just want to say, if you guys have not listened to that, first listen to Hey Frage, but also go back and listen to the Mansion Murders podcast. I love that. But you have such a cool background. You've been doing radio and podcasts. So, I mean, what is it? I feel like you've kind of like been with like the evolution of uh, radio into podcast and media. What has that ride been like? Oh, my God. Well, it's, you know, look... I was really, really fortunate when I, right after I graduated from college, I moved to DC and in 2005, I started in my radio career. And so radio was still really hot and DC was a great radio market because so many people commute from, as you guys know, Virginia, Maryland, you know, into DC. So I ended up doing a couple shows, being on a couple shows and I got fired and there's a staying in radio. You haven't been in radio until you've been fired. So I was fired from like every radio job I ever had. And uh, so in 2007, I ended up getting on this morning show with this guy, Kane, who had come to DC and really 
that is sort of how I got my following and real beginning in broadcasting. So that show I was on for six years. After like a year and a half, the show went to number one. And it was amazing for a really long time. But in 2013, I had come back to be on this radio show. Sarah Ty and Mel, also in DC, but on a different station. And when we would go out to events and stuff, we'd ask people, all right, like, what are you listening to for morning radio? And this was 2013. And so many women would say, I don't listen to radio anymore. I listen to this podcast. I'm really into this podcast. So in that moment, I knew I was like, this is my last radio job. Because if these women are not even tuned into local radio, this is like the kiss of death. So when that show ended in 2015, I was like, that's it. I'm launching my own podcast. And it was super scary. And as you guys, as we were all talking offline before, um, you know, there's definitely like highs and lows moments of it, but it is absolutely the best decision I ever made. And I love that you're so unfiltered. I mean, on radio, did you feel like you had a kind of not hold yourself back, but you'd be a little bit more careful about the things you said. Where on your podcast, I feel like you're just an open book and I love it. You just say whatever you're thinking, you talk about what's on your mind. Was that like a nice perk of podcast versus radio? Oh my God. It was so liberating when I was first able to do that. It was liberating. Lady. <laughs> like you can say the F word and no one cares. Like, like fuck this. And it's not like, oh God, who's going to come after me now? It was wonderful. So I... Yes, I love it. And that was always a difficult part about morning radio. And the struggle that we had, especially when I was on the Kane show, is we were all in our like mid to late 20s and early 30s. So we really wanted to talk about like life and sex and relationships. But every morning, and in fact, at one point, they actually made us put a picture of a family up in front of our microphones so we would be more PG. And it was absolutely torture. So yes, I love having the freedom to say anything. Ah, oh, but that's so nice. <laughs> well, you've been very busy professionally, but also personally as well. You just got married within the last year. Congratulations. That's exciting. Thank you. Yes, I was so late to the game in getting married. Um, late 30. It's not a race. Don't worry. You're good. <laughs> right? I mean, most people are on their first divorce by the time I got like you know, <laughs> first married. Uh yes, it was awesome. We had been together seven years when we got married and I was completely the one dragging my feet. I was a woman for a long time. I did not think I would get married. I really didn't. Didn't think I wanted to have kids. Didn't think I wanted to have a family. But Dan, who you probably have seen me post about or talked about on the show, is just a really special man. So I kind of finally got my shit together and thank God he didn't leave me prior. And so then I just knew about two years ago, we had to get married. So it was a, that was also a really good decision. And we really had this amazing wedding here in Maine. You guys have the most adorable meet cute. Your story of how the two of you met is, feels like a rom-com in the making. Well, thank you. Well, we met, yeah, we met on an airplane. We were sitting next to each other and literally like I was, I was, I was actually leaving my radio job at the time. I was completely drunk in a Tampa Bay airport, sit down next to this guy. He was going through three or four different weather apps because we were having weather delays and he was just, um, 
we just started talking. And when we got off the plate, I had one business card left that was like crumpled up with coffee stains. I was like, great to meet you. And he ended up sending me an email and putting his phone number at the bottom. I texted him and then he called me and asked me to dinner. And we've really, I mean, we've had a few hiccups, but we've been together basically ever since. I love that story so much. Like I... (laughs) I think it's, I feel like you don't hear stories like that these days, especially with all the dating apps and things that people are on. But I just think that's so fun. It it was awesome. And believe me, I had every disaster date you can ever imagine in your life. I literally went out with a guy who had seen me on TV, who had reached out to me, who had like a legit business job, legit business job. Like I knew a friend of a friend of his that vouched for him. I think like a couple days before the date, he actually gave my phone number to his brother, who was a professional clown. And the brother wanted to know if he could surprise us on the first date and like blow up animal balloon, like animal balloon. (laughs) I'm not even kidding. It was, I was like, okay, my love life is not a dog and pony show. He literally called me. I went on, I can't even begin to tell you the dates I went on, ladies. They were, I feel like you need to write a book. This is like, I mean, I want a memoir, please. (laughs) I mean, balloon animals. How do you, I mean, how do you top that? He wanted to be doing that as a joke to surprise his brother on our first date. Then I went out on a date with a guy who I met again at an event. Um, He wanted to take me to dinner. So before dinner, he goes, hey, I just have to stop by my kickball event. Could Could you just like, we'll just stop in and say hi, and then we'll go to dinner. So I was like, sure. We get there. It's in, it's on a boat out like, like in a port. Like, so he's like, oh, we'll just get on the boat. Uh, we get on the boat. Somebody comes up to me and they goes, they go, oh my God, I'm so happy that you're the VIP speaker tonight. I love listening to your radio show. And then all night long, he just wanted me to make announcements. Ladies, he did not want to go out on a date with me. He wanted free hosting. I was like, he just got you as a free MC. What a cheapskate. Oh my God. What an ass. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're so happy where you've ended up. <laughs> you have a happy ending. <laughs> so me too. what is it? What is life like? I mean, how romantic. Quarantined as a newlywed and you're with your in-laws right now too, right? Well, no, my mom, I'm actually with oh. my mom. So it, she Oh, that's right. You're with your family. Okay. Yeah, it's the same thing. And then Dan is, his mother lives outside Detroit. So um, he's with his in-laws, but <laughs> we're here in Maine with my mom. So it's been going really well. So I also, we said earlier that you are an open book. You do such a good job of sharing everything and you don't limit that just to the good stuff, which I love because I think sometimes people in the media or with a strong Instagram following, it's always just like, everything's so great. Look at my fairy tale wedding, my fairy tale life. And that's not the way it goes. And it's hard for other people out there, the whole comparison lifestyle, thinking everyone else is just killing it and you're not. You do such a good job of putting all of it out there and particularly talking about your miscarriage and the diagnosis that followed that. I just, I think it's so great that you did that. What were the responses that you got back from followers? Oh, I mean, that was, it was, I was happy to do it in the end because so many women reached out to me and were just in the same boat. And I'm sure you guys know this. It's always shocking how many women have miscarriages. It's it's one of those things where, you know, they don't tell you. In eighth grade, they make it sound like if a guy looks at you twice, you're going to be pregnant yeah. for life. And then when you get older, you're like, it's really freaking hard to conceive a child. Like, this is not easy. So the my story was in November of 2019, we were, oh my, we were pretty far along, um, like at the three-month mark. And we'd gone in and the for like a high, the high risk, essentially, um, appointment. 
to see about Down syndrome and all that stuff. So anyway, she's doing the ultrasound not saying anything. And all of a sudden, you know, the doctor comes in and she says, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but you have a triploidy pregnancy and your baby is not going to live. And we were completely, you know, as everybody is just absolutely floored. So we have a DNC, of course, as you know, like to, to remove the baby. And, um, but they say, well, we're really uh, sorry about the baby, you losing the baby, but by the way, you also have something called a partial molar pregnancy. And what can happen is your body can still be tricked into thinking that it's pregnant and a little mole, which is kind of like a cyst can start growing in your body and left untreated. It can become a form of pregnancy cancer. And they were like, but don't worry, you know, the chances of that happening to you are so slim. So as you ladies have seen on my Instagram in January, I started hemorrhaging and, you know, had to go in for a second DNC, emergency DNC. And they said, yeah, we're really sorry, but the mole is growing. So this whole thing has been insanely true. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I cannot believe this is happening to my life. That's but- an understatement. And I applaud you for sharing all as much as you have. I mean, to be, that's a vulnerable, painful situation to be in, to be willing to be that open. Well, it it really was. And I just feel like, you know, I have been really lucky to have this platform and, you know, just sharing all the sadness and the highs and the lows of it. I think if it can help one other woman and especially dealing with something like a molar pregnancy, because it's hard enough losing a baby. But then when you're told, oh, hey, you have this pregnancy disease, which is going to require essentially I had a series of methotrexate shots, which is a form of chemo to kill the mole. And it, yeah, I mean, it was, look, it was, I cannot even begin to tell you. I have to say, I know a lot of people have anxiety with the pandemic, but I've actually been the most relaxed. I feel guilty saying that. But after you live through something as stressful as that mole and a hemorrhage, it's like, okay, are we alive every day? Do we have food and some toilet paper? I'm Absolutely. good. Absolutely. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I have to admit, I had no idea what a molar pregnancy was until following you and listening to you. I was like, oh my gosh. And then part of me was relieved I didn't know about this because, like you said, you think, like, oh my gosh, a boy hugs me and I'm going to get pregnant. And then you realize it's really hard and nobody talks about how hard it is sometimes. And then you get pregnant and it's like, I always thought, like, oh gosh, like, I hope my baby's healthy. And they're like, we're going to scan for Down syndrome. I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds really scary. Like, oh, no, there's like a hundred thousand other things that could happen that are even worse. And you're just like, you spend the whole time concerned and then learning about that as well. I was, I was really glad that I learned about it because I mean, I might have friends who've suffered in silence and I had no idea until now. Yeah. And that's the thing I think that was for, important for me. And, you know, t- and, and to be fair, I feel like mentally I've been really lucky to be strong and Dan and I see this really great couples therapist and she's just helped us, I think, be even more transparent as much as we can. I mean, we keep some things to ourselves, but that for me was just important to share because it, I think that whole journey, yeah, a lot of people don't know. And I think too, like what people are going through with COVID-19 and everything, it's when something like that happens, I know the chances of people getting COVID-19 are getting smaller and smaller, but when you're even in the one or two percentile of getting something, which is what molar pregnancies are, so very few women get them, it's still when it happens to you, it's so upsetting. So I did want to give some women some light and I get messages probably a couple times a month from women that are just getting diagnosed with a molar pregnancy. And so they're very grateful because like you guys know, when you Google something, it's so scary. It's like death. Everything so just leads to I death. Wanted, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like you said too, it is so common. It's one thing that we've said on the podcast a few times. If you're at an age yet where you don't so know someone who has had a miscarriage, unfortunately, just wait a year or two and you will. It's so common, but so many women don't talk about it. And it's almost like there's a sense of shame surrounding it. And there's nothing you can do about it. You can't. That's the one thing that's so frustrating sometimes about wanting to get pregnant and fertility. And then when you get pregnant, you really have zero control for the most part of what is happening to your body. Oh, 100%. 100%. It's not about what you ate or exercising. I mean, it's literally for a molar pregnancy and so many other things. It's just this wild chromosomal imbalance. Yeah. So I just, we applaud you for talking about it. Like we said, it's just, you're helping others out there and it's just the more we talk about these type of things, the less the shame and the guilt will be associated with it. And yeah, I always worry, like if I have friends suffering in silence, it's like, how can I help them? How can I let somebody know it's okay to talk to me and lean on me for support? Or if you're going through it, know that it's okay to say like, I'm struggling with this and it's really hard. Well, and I, I think too, the conversation, you touched on it earlier, but I think too, the conversation of talking to women about, you know, it it's really is hard to get pregnant and nobody tells you that I did have a wonderful, I still have her as my OBGYN. And for the past five or six years, she'd say to me, okay, you know, after 35, this is going to get really hard. I just want you to know. And I, I thought I, I'm always been really grateful for her. Of course, when she's saying that I'm like, oh, it'll be fine. You know, you see every celebrity at 50 getting pregnant, you're like, oh, it'll be fine. But I hope too to start the conversation with women, you know, don't do it if you're not ready, but we all should continue to say to each other, Hey, if you're 30 and you want to have a family, now's the time to start doing it. Don't Yeah, wait. absolutely. I mean, I have friends who are 34 and they're single and they're thinking about freezing their eggs. And I, I mean, at one point in my life, I was like, Oh my gosh, why would you do that? But I get it now. I mean, the older you get, the harder it is. And yeah. you don't want to rush into things. Like you said, if you're not ready or if you're not in a healthy relationship, don't rush forward just to check the box of having a kid. But that gives you a little bit of a, right. a security or an insurance as you go forward. So I, I get it. So Well, and at 35, they call it a geriatric pregnancy, which is horrible. Sorry, that's my child <laughs> crying in the background. <laughs> Might be birth control for people who don't want to have a child. But a geriatric pregnancy, like what? That's horrible. Ah, I, I know. Yeah, you are. You're geriatric. Yeah, you might feel young, but you're not. Well, uh, yeah, <laughs> to take it to a, a sharp left and take a little bit of a turn, you love Bravo, all things Bravo. And being in D.C., you have a tie to Potomac. So before we dive into Potomac, what are some of your favorite Bravo shows? Oh, my God, ladies, I'm obsessed with Housewives, the entire franchise. Um, OK, well, Beverly Hills, like Beverly Hills to me is the best just because they're really rich. And I love that they're rich. I just think that. Lisa Wren is amazing. Erica Jane. When I first saw Erica Jane, I was like, this is who I need to be when I'm, you know, 45 years old. This woman's fucking fabulous. I, I mean, I love everything. So I'd say Beverly Hills is one of my favorites, but I also, I, I've grown to love Real Housewives of Potomac because now I know a lot of the women. Atlanta, I think is just a classic. I'm going to be curious to see what happens with, uh, the OC now that Vicky is really gone, Tamara's gone. I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to like it or not. We ladies. think it's on its last couple of seasons. Like I don't think we're going to see a season 20 of Real Housewives of OC. I don't know if we'll see a season 20 of any of the Housewives franchise, just being honest, but really? I just feel like there's a shift right now and what people are wanting and looking at some of the franchises that are performing really well, they're still pretty early on. Like Potomac is about ready to start season 
five, I believe. Nice. Uh, and so, it, you yeah. know, it's like think 15 more years, can they do it? Maybe they can. I don't know. But I think OC might be on the way out. New York, I feel like it always just finds a way to to pull through, even when they lose people. And I know they're without Bethany this year, but it's already off to a really strong start. So we'll see. But I do believe, I think, I, I think this is nearing the end for OC for sure. I think for longevity, I was just going to say, I think for longevity, I think these women really have to show the good, the bad and ugly and not become characters of themselves. And I think you start to see that with more, what's more of the season franchises like a Beverly Hills. I love the women because they're rich too, but I feel like they don't, they kind of shelter themselves a little bit. I don't feel like we're getting real stories like we're seeing in Atlanta where they're opening up about miscarriages and Marlo's atopic pregnancies and all the different things that they're talking about. I don't feel like we get that sort of substance from the women of some of the other cast um, seasons like Beverly Hills, some of the franchises. Now we skipped over Dallas. Are either one of you into Dallas or no? We, we are. just started it. Okay. So yeah. I really didn't do Dallas until we started the podcast and everyone's like, you're not doing Dallas. And, you know, admittedly, we didn't do Potomac and everyone said we're missing out. And then we've been binge watching the previous seasons leading up to season five. And we will admit we were fully wrong. We cannot believe we didn't jump into Potomac earlier. We like Dallas, but I again, that's one of those. I don't know if it's going to survive. The, a lot of the main people are gone and it had really, really Ooh. poor ratings this last year. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm, that's interesting. I'm wondering why. Maybe I, maybe not. I don't know. Not enough drama. Maybe not enough hope. Yeah. I don't know. Something is missing. I think some I of think. these women, too, they're very worried about like society and like how they look. You know, Cameron talked about it a lot, her reputation. And I almost feel like you need to, you need to find places where there is this like high, very affluent, rich people not worried about how they're going to come across. Sarah, yeah. how do you feel oh, about Salt Lake? When is theirs coming out? It was supposed to be, I think, the end of this year. But considering COVID happened, but I'm Andy, not sure how that would be Andy delayed, tweeted that he saw the first episode like? and loved it. So they, I mean, they're in, they're wrapping it. So, I mean, we might see it sooner than we think. Hmm. I mean, I'm going to have to be really honest what and are curious your about, about that. Salt I mean, are those excited about that new city? Uh, well, I mean, here's my thing. I mean, it's pretty like Mormon city, right? I mean, are these ladies going to be making love through sheets or what? You know, I mean, I like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I'm going to be into this one. I feel like we need more people who left the church and then like have to confront people still in the church. I want to see this like Mormon drama and I don't know if we'll see it. So Sarah, living in DC, you've seen filming going on. I mean, what is it like when you're just eating lunch and all of a sudden a camera crew comes in? Do they talk to you? Do they tell you what's happening? What is that like? Yes, it's, um, well, of course, you know, I'm sure you guys already know this, but obviously all the venues have to get permission from anybody that is going to be there or could be filmed. So you always have to sign, you know, a disclaimer that they can use your image. I've always had great interactions with the producers. They love the... It's always fascinating to me because the producers are constantly talking to the women and trying to drive them in a direction of drama or confrontation. And then it will be funny to see and witness the women sort of talk back to the producers if they're willing to do it or not. So it's definitely... I think it's been awesome for DC. I love supporting that show because very few reality shows ever survive in DC because it's also a really funny 
you know, it's really politicians. So most people don't want their personal lives out there. So I give all those women so much credit that they have made DC, I think, cool and interesting and drama filled. So I love seeing it around town. That's so fun. I mean, is it, is it like almost like a sense of like everybody knows who they are when they see them, even if it's not filming is like, oh my God, that's a real housewife of Potomac. Or do you think it's one of those things where the people of like the DC Potomac area aren't as into it as the rest of the world? Well, you know, DC is one of those cities that I think is funny. I love Washington. I've been there for like 14 years, but it is kind of a low key hater city. So I think for for those women, like there's a, definitely a taboo because the social scene in DC is all about the politics scene. So if you're not like a lobbyist, an ambassador, then you're not really kind of quote unquote on the scene. So a lot of people love to hate, I think, on them that they're that they're like, you know, bringing DC's sort of upper echelon down. But I think that everybody knows who they are. And I think people love the fact that now we have a franchise. Yeah, because, I mean, the original Real Housewives of D.C., thanks to the uh, Salahi family, I mean, crashed and burned. (laughs) That was a joke real fast. Crashed Uh, and burned. Andy Andy Cohen said, when the FBI is asking for your unseen footage, you know that it's time to kill that show, Uh, which I thought was pretty humorous. I am loving Potomac so far. I think it's great. I'm on season two, so I'm excited to catch up. But I know you're a huge Beverly Hills fan. What is your prediction for the season? Season 10 is premiering right now as we're talking. Oh my God. You guys, how how much are you loving this lesbian, like, you know, entanglement between Denise Richards and oh my God, I've completely like lost her name, but you know, whatever. Brandy. Oh, Brandy. Brandy. oh my God, Brandy's yeah. back. I cannot wait for the lesbian drama. I am super excited. Um, I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like they're getting to the point that they're leading up, like they build it up so much and then the drama is kind of a letdown. So do you guys, I I mean, I think this is going to be an explosive season and actually it's kind of funny because I thought to myself, this is genius. Why haven't we had like a lesbian affair until now? We should have had that before. I mean, I would have taken that over Puppygate. I'm so cautious when I go into the season because last year, like, LVP leaves and there's all this drama. And it was around that stupid dog and nothing against the dog, but just the whole drama. I'm, I'm not mad at the dog. But, like, if I had heard to hear about Lucy Lucy, Apple Juicy or whatever it was one more time, I'm like, I almost gave up on the show. So it has to be explosive, I think, this it season. I don't be. think they're going to fail. Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic, too. I But my hesitation is because they're bringing up Brandy. Kim Richards is making appearances. Eileen's making appearances. So I'm like, are you bringing everyone out? Then we have two housewives. We have Sutton, Garcelle. So I'm like, do we have to bring that many people to stir up some sort of drama? I think Adrian Maloof is even involved. So I'm a little cautiously optimistic mm. on you what guys, we're going to see. I like your theory. I think maybe they're getting too Hollywood and they don't want to be revealing anymore. So you guys might be on to something there. But I love them all I'm individually. Here. I love them all individually. It's just together. Yes. I'm here for the lesbian drama, though. I agree. I'm like, why have we not had this? Like, the closest thing we got to it was last season on OC, Bronwyn admitting that she enjoys threesomes. But I'm like, this is going to be really good because Denise looks pissed. I know. I know. I can't wait. I can't wait. It better be good. Well, Sarah, we have loved having you on. But before we let you off the hot seat, we have to know if you all of a sudden became a real housewife of Potomac or you moved to Beverly Hills 
what would your tagline be? Okay. Well, you guys know on my Hey Fresh podcast um, that, you know, we're a little edgy, we're a little raunchy. So you can feel free to bleep this, but mine would be, I love dick, but I love my husband's dick more. That would be mine. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> that... Okay, I feel like that could fit in with like Beverly Hills because they kind of do some raunchy ones like that. I mean, you would be right in there. I that might be the favorite response you've ever gotten. So, <laughs> well, you can feel free to believe if your listeners are too. No, no never put it on a t-shirt. We, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. That's so vital. So, yes, I. You know, there it is. I mean, how do we follow that up? That is perfect. A perfect way to end it. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Can you tell everyone listening where they can find you and how they can listen to your podcast? Yes. It's the Hey Frish podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, everywhere that podcasts are distributed. You can follow me on Instagram at Hey Frage, H-E-Y-F-R-A-S-E. I'm now, as I was telling you women, I'm really into TikToking. So, you know, look out, go and TikTok viral one of these damn days. And I have to say, Abby and Vanessa, I am so excited because you guys are going to be on the Hey Frage podcast coming up really soon. So I cannot wait to cross promote you all. I am just, I love you both. You're so wonderful. And I can't wait to support you and have you on our show. Oh, well, thank you so much. We cannot wait to be on. And we just have enjoyed so much. Like Vanessa said, this is a pinch me moment. We've been following you, adoring you from afar. And now it feels like we're all friends. This is great. We are. We are. Thank you so much. Abby, I think we met our new best friend, Sarah Frazier. I mean, do we move to DC? Is it too soon? I don't know. I'm just, I want to hang out with her all the time now. Oh, she's so great. And again, guys, if you're listening to her podcast, she, her, Sarah and AJ, her co-hosts, they do amazing. So you got to check that out while in quarantine. And if you aren't already, you know what I'm going to say. Please, please, please give us a follow on Instagram at Real Moms of Bravo. And because we're quarantined and you're feeling giving, maybe you can give us a five-star rating or leave us a review. We always love sharing those to our stories. And who knows, you could be the next shout out. So we will catch you all soon. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment.